Welcome to episode 84 of the GameBots Podcast. I'm your host, Eric, and this is my co-host. It's Christian. On this week's episode, Christian and I both watched X-Men Dark Phoenix, and Christian watched season two of the Umbrella Academy. Christian, uh, we chose Dark Phoenix this week, which uh, it got savaged by reviews in 2019. <laughs> like, everyone seemed to hate it, so I had really low expectations going into this. Yeah, same. And I'm not going to lie, it maybe just because my expectations were so low, like, I did not hate it as much as I thought. Like, I really <laughs> didn't like Age of Apocalypse, and maybe because I had paid for it, that, that was part of the reason. But I... Like I didn't like this movie, but it was not as bad as I was I was thinking it would be. I don't really remember X Men Apocalypse enough to compare the two. I watched it one time in theaters, and I forgot almost everything immediately. I saw it only once too, and actually, your theater is where I saw it. Huh. Like one of the three movies I've seen there, uh, and I just remember hating it. Like days because it came out after. Days of Future Past, which was actually a good movie, and Apocalypse was just bad. Yeah, Days of Future Past is where they first decided to just completely throw out continuity, and that really came to a head in this, where, oh man, they really threw out the continuity. <laughs> I mean, and I get, like, I, I do want to get into, like, the Avengers model versus what the X-Men model <laughs> has been, but yeah, it just... It's not well thought out. Like Hugh Jackman was the main selling point of the X Men to me because I like Wolverine. He's not in this at all. Mm-mm. I mean, and everything else with it just kind of falls apart. But my my also my biggest problem is I just don't like Jean Grey. I don't think anyone generally handles her well, especially the movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and unpopular opinion, I don't think Sophie Turner is that great of an actress. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I've I don't know that i've seen her in really anything other than this and game of thrones i think she's great in game of thrones but oh man maybe i should say then i don't think she's great in this like i think her gene in apocalypse and this is just utterly boring like there's no emotion like i just i can't stand the character Mm-hmm. this was rough i feel like i felt that way about a bunch of the people in this and i thought I generally think most of the actors in this are good actors and actresses. They just weren't really doing it for me here. Right. And so the entire movie of this starts off with that. The X-Men at this point are basically superheroes. Like the public loves them after they stop apocalypse. The president has an X phone in the Oval Office to call them to help whenever like there's a, a national emergency. Crazy. Right, and the emergency calls them about is that uh, space shuttle that had sent up that apparently everyone in the world was watching, even people in, you know, like, I don't know if it was the Middle East or African countries or what, but it was just like, you know, stone huts with a TV or whatever on it, which was such an odd filming choice to me. Being like, why, why do people care this much? Because they never really even describe what the mission is. It's just the space shuttle. Right, it's just like a launcher or something. And then they're like, oh yeah, we have a jet that can just get into space. We don't, we don't, we're not sharing that technology with you. We're just going to fly into space in the X-Jet. Well, even they say right at the beginning, uh, Beast says, like, this isn't designed to go to space. And Professor X is like, yeah, I don't, I don't care, take it to space. Well, and that's the thing is like, 
this is this takes place in the early 90s and the x-jet man i cannot remember what the x-jet's based off of in like the 2000 movie but basically they uh they have the same plane that they do there and you know it's obviously very high tech and stuff but the fact that they're like yeah we have an airplane that can go into space and it's just pretty much glossed over was ridiculous to me <laughs> i i guess i i truly don't remember how apocalypse ends i was stunned when everyone like everyone was watching tv and they said oh the x-men are coming to save the day in their x-jet and it was like on the news and everyone was yeah go x-men and us what people had like signs for them when they came back from the mission like they were a sports team yeah they all had like a press conference i'm not gonna lie i don't remember like apocalypse is hazy to me but i like i remember them beating apocalypse and he was like a world ender so i'm guessing that the public was happy about it guess the also like when you see that you know the entire time it's like well this is the dark phoenix gene's going to ruin all the goodwill that the mutants have built up oh almost immediately that was something i had that the yeah the x-men are now treated as superheroes they are like publicly like worshipped basically they have a direct line to the president and gene gray blew up one house and like a police cruiser and the president's like nope they're all they're all fugitives now She's dangerous. It's just one of, I'm curious, like, where they're like, no, it was aliens, and everyone's just like, wait a minute, they're aliens now? Like, <laughs> it seems to be glossed over pretty hard that the U.S. government has discovered aliens exist. I also had to keep reminding myself that this isn't part of the MCU for some reason. I don't know why I had trouble doing that, but every time Jessica Chastain said something to, to Jean Grey about you're the most powerful force in the galaxy or whatever. I was like, Ooh, we'll see what the guardians of the galaxy have to say about that. Yeah. I mean, canonically the Phoenix force is ridiculously powerful. Um, but I don't know if she's the most powerful force in the galaxy. I know there's something stronger, but I think it was, it was whatever, like the big mashup in 2016 was like, man, like secret wars or secret wars two or whatever. Um, because Cyclops had the Phoenix Force him at one point, and basically Doctor Doom, who had reformed the universe as all the multiverses collided, just like ripped it out of him and killed Cyclops like nothing. <laughs> so it's definitely not the strongest force; it's just pretty powerful. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. The the Phoenix Force. I di- I didn't understand a lot of the rules in this movie, and I think that's its key problem. It doesn't yeah. bring the audience in at all, and when when you have a character that can literally do anything at any time, it just becomes kind of boring. Yeah. I think the idea is like the Phoenix force is more or less a force of nature of like death and rebirth. And because Jean was an Omega level mutant, she was able to like contain it. And like after that space shuttle burst, like it for some reason stopped outside of earth after it hit the space shuttle. I don't know why. Um, but yeah, that's my guess as to what it was. But you're right. It just like gives her such a ridiculous amount of power that then the rest of the movie is just her showing feats where she's like, I'm a better psychic than you or I'm better at like magnetism than you are, Magneto. Oh, yeah. Big problems with that, too, which I'm sure we'll get to. But I, I have I have a question jumping ahead just a little bit. I have a question for, for you. Maybe you can answer. So the Phoenix Force is this, like you said, this force of like rebirth and and growth. And Jessica Chastain calls it like the spark of life in the universe. 
Why did the aliens want Earth so badly? Why couldn't they just take the Phoenix Force and like terraform Mars? I don't know. <laughs> I uh, so I, and this is the problem. Is like I read a lot of I, I I don't read a ton of comic books, but the most I've read has been in the X Men. But I've never read the Dark Phoenix Saga. So when the aliens appeared, I was like, oh, are they bringing like the Kree or Skrull into this? And then I found out it was the Dabari, and I like Googled it, and they were from the original um, like run of the Dark Phoenix Saga. So I was like, okay, it makes sense, but I don't know why they wanted Earth because I know there's a comic run. Um, it was like it was either late two thousands, like two thousand nine, between two thousand eleven. I can't remember. It was X Men vs the Avengers, where um, the Phoenix Force got divided into like five, and it went to like Scott, and I think. I don't remember if Gene was alive or not, but like Cyclops and them. And they basically could use it, like you said, to like make the world a better place, but they were also corrupted by it um, and were like fighting the Avengers. So like theoretically, if someone were to hold the whole power, like, yes, you could, if trained, terraform a planet <laughs> would be my guess. Yeah, because that's they, they said, like, we want to take Earth and make it our new home. But if you have the ability to just generate life, just go take a barren planet and like Mars is still kind of in the Goldilocks zone. You could make that and maintain it. It's just, it, it's another one of those where they just kind of made the bad guys evil for the sake of being evil. Right. And they could have made the bad guys somewhat sympathetic. Like their planet had been destroyed by the Phoenix force. And I mean, they are capable of intergalactic travel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you think they could just also find another planet, I guess, the earth already has infrastructure but they don't seem to care about it or like they could just integrate into it pretty easily because they're shapeshifters exactly it's just like the scroll did in in uh captain marvel right dude i want to point out one thing in the very sorry the very beginning when they're like in this space do you notice they like duct tape a helmet to nightcrawler and they're like yep this should hold sure did (laughs) and then when they go on like gene and the running guy quicksilver no, no, like no helmet. <laughs> Quicksilver was not in this movie nearly enough. Why? Well, my guess is that anyone who had a questionable contract, they're like, all right, we're, we got a couple scenes with you and then you're out. So like Quicksilver <laughs> got injured and Jennifer Lawrence got killed. Well, they had to kill Jennifer Lawrence because she was just acting circles around everybody else, just making them look like fools. She was, and also since, like, I think, like, she had a four-movie deal, and since Days of Future Past, she has been very vocal about wanting out of this deal and not wanting to do more X-Men movies, because I I think it's because she has, like, they're bad, but also she has to wear full-body, like, makeup for it. Yeah, I do not blame her. First Class, not gonna lie, First Class is my favorite X-Men movie. Oh, really? Like, I I don't think it's bad, but yeah, it's, it's not a bad one. I really love First Class a lot. And I was down with like the new young team. And then uh, after Days of Future Past, I was like fully out. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, I like Days of Future Past. Um, I liked First Class. I didn't like Apocalypse. I didn't care for this one. There's just so many. I think Deadpool is now the best existing X-Men movie. Like that's going to continue. Yeah. Well, oh, now that man. Disney owns all of them, plus Deadpool, plus Fantastic Four, I'm I'm not sure what they have planned for the future. Yeah, I don't either, and I I do want to get into that too of like what you think that they'll do with everything, um, eventually. But let's 
I do want to talk about a couple more things because you're like, yeah, you like the first class group. And I thought when first class came out, they're like, okay, they did a big marketing campaign. There's going to be movies around these guys in like the fifties and sixties, maybe into the seventies. Mm-hmm. And like, they immediately killed all those guys. And instead we're stuck with like the traditional X-Men cast yep. who the people they, they chose to get these, like in these roles, I cannot, I did not like them. I don't like how they like chose to portray the characters. Mm-hmm. Like Cyclops sucks. He's and, very whiny. Although he was kind of whiny in the originals too. He was. That's the thing. Is like I think the movies. I don't care for Cyclops that much, but in the comics, at, at least at this point, Cyclops is basically like a mutant extremist, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he at least is interesting and not like just a whiny dweeb. <laughs> and like the dude who was playing Nightcrawler, I couldn't get behind in this. And then Storm, who is an integral part to the X Men, is relegated to like sidekick status <laughs> i i didn't really remember her growth as a character because i knew in apocalypse she was like fully a bad guy she was and she like turned at one point but yeah it's just one of those things where they didn't use her well and at one point she's like that's not gene anymore we have to kill her and then 20 minutes later she's like scott i'll go with you to save gene like a turn that made absolutely no sense from her previous like stance when they brought Nightcrawler out, I I actually like half gasped because he, he they make a big deal of like, oh, we discovered a new mutant that can teleport, and that's in X2, which takes place in like 2003. Right. So, I mean, Nightcrawler's actually in <laughs> Apocalypse as well. Um See, I didn't yeah, I don't even remember that at all. My guess as to what happened is that after the events of Days of Future Past, like Charles Xavier was working with people in a different way that he wasn't. Um, like it seems like Beast was actually an integral part, and you never learned from like X one, two, or three how integral Beast was in the past. Mm-hmm. But in this way, it seems like they're working together to actually identify mutants. So it seems like they actually run into Nightcrawler beforehand, where in the prior one they had just you know it was mostly Storm, Cyclops, and whatnot, and some students like. The school seems much bigger now. Yeah. Because in X3, Kelsey Grammer's Beast is like a senator, right? Right. Oh, man. This timeline's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's all over the place. And you don't really get a, too much of a background on Kelsey Grammer's Beast either. Um, which, if he's a senator, it leads you to believe that at least some parts of the U.S. are pro-mutants. Yeah. Like, I mean, at least one state... <laughs> oh man i really like the beginning of this movie i like even though it it, again fully retconned how gene joined the x-men because you get that whole backstory in the third one as well uh but you're you're right i don't know how days of future past changed that (laughs) i i really like parts of this and then after it like jumps to present day everything kind of goes downhill like from the space mission onward, I, I was real shaky on this. What I don't like about this movie, like X3 and this, is they basically, for just story's sake, want to paint Xavier as a bad guy. Mm-hmm. And so in the third one, he was way worse, where like he could take no criticism, which was out of character from his first two one uh, appearances. This one, they, they try and do a better job where it's like, oh, no, she suffered trauma and her dad hates her. 
And so, like, I think it's somewhat understandable that he put blocks in place as a way to try and help her deal with the trauma. Like, he clearly didn't follow through with that. Like, you would probably want to, like, okay, you're yeah. older now, let's deal with this. But the way that everyone treated him didn't make as much sense to me. Like, Beast was like, we should be protecting the kids from you, not Gene, and, like, stuff like that where it was... Like they had, Gene was the only one at the end who seemed to have some understanding, like of what, like Charles was trying to do, and everyone else painted him as the the villain. And that confrontation scene was awful. Like when uh, the one at the end, or no, when Nicholas Holt as Beast is like yelling at James McAvoy and and saying it was all his fault. He just kept like repeating the same sentences over and over, and like just screaming them at him. I generally think Nicholas Holt is a pretty good actor and he just, oh man, I don't know if it was just the writing and you can't really do much with it, but that was, that was a rough scene. Yeah. I mean, I actually kind of liked Beast in Days of Future Past and First Class and stuff. I didn't care for him in this one. He seemed pretty yeah. much useless. Well, I saw in your notes, like what's Beast going to do? Growl at them. Yeah. They're like, we're going to go. And it's like, all right, Beast, like, you don't stand a chance. <laughs> she can literally just incinerate people. Good luck. Oh my god. I don't I, I agree with you. Jennifer Lawrence is probably if not the best actor actress in the movie. She was up there. Like I, I like Fastbender. I thought he did a good job too. So did I. When when he finally made an appearance over an hour into the movie. Right. They kept talking about him. Christian, keep in mind this movie takes place seven or eight years before <laughs> x1 so in eight years fassbender is supposed to agent sir ian mccullen <laughs> yeah at least could kind of see mcavoy maybe but like the x x1 actually did a pretty good job of could have been roughly in their 60s like mid 60s mm-hmm. and the actors actors they got were that this one because they had the mirrors and they filmed them over a course of 10. Like, Fassbender looks like he's in his 30s in the first one and in his 40s when he should be in his 60s, you know? Magneto, because Magneto is jacked in the comics. Even, like, as an old man, like, he's in shape. I think Fassbender was a good pick for a young Magneto. It's just, like, they didn't even try to make him look older. Agreed, yeah. I I really liked him in in first class. I was thrilled that, that he was the pick. I just I feel bad for Michael Fassbender. He is a genuinely great actor, and he keeps picking these terrible projects to get thrown. I mean, I could not believe he chose Assassin's Creed. Who? And they must pay well. Immediately before Assassin's Creed, he was filming a movie called The Snowman. Which, Eric, if you've never had the pleasure of watching The Snowman, holy crap! It I'll is have to check it out, I guess. <laughs> genuinely one of the worst movies I've ever seen. <laughs> Man, I, I yeah, that's the thing is like he because when first class came out, it was like, oh, McAvoy and Fassbender, they're the next big stars. And then neither of them have really done much. No. And I, I feel like Fassbender could. Like he is good. Mm-hmm. Jean turns on her team immediately, and I don't think you can chalk all of that up to the phoenix force because it isn't like established that the phoenix force is making her angry it seems like she's just really bad at dealing with her own emotions and they're trying to blame it on charles for pushing her feelings of guilt for killing her mother as to making it as the reason why she can just attack 
and kill her own teammates, like, on the turn of a hat. She does turn very quickly to to having, like, full, I'm gonna... I'm gonna maim Quicksilver. I'm going to murder Mystique. I'm going to like blow up a squad car. Well, and even when she was with Magneto, she's like, "Hey, I need help." And then Magneto's like, "I got this." And he's about ready to turn the people away. And then she's like, oh, "It seems like you're not helping me, so I'm going to destroy these helicopters and then be mad at you for me doing these actions." Like they're like, and I get that. Uh, Xavier went in and messed with her mind and there's like the whole thing of oh no that's a violation of the human rights stuff and I totally get that but her reactions to all these and blaming everyone else for her issues and then like completely ignoring any bounds of friendship she had with the people she literally grew up with was ridiculous and just makes her seem like a bad person yeah I had no problem with her turning on Professor X right for doing what he did but yeah like it's it's straight up she has this nice moment with cyclops about like don't worry i'll always come home to you and then he's like so you're gonna hold, keep that promise right and she's like mm, no i'm gonna blow up a helicopter right man and the, the thing is like if they wanted a different they could have done it right you know they could have been like oh no the phoenix force exacerbates her negative emotions or, or something like that but they don't explain anything so it just seems like she's a toddler or like a child dealing with her emotions absolutely yeah she just keeps throwing fits yeah or like graded in a different i don't know they just i feel like the movies have killed Jean gray <laughs> <laughs> well they have three times did they kill her i know they killed her twice what's the third time oh well, no you're right sorry her. they killed her twice in x2 and x3 Yep, because Wolverine kills her at the end of X3. Yeah, uh, so I, I honestly thought this movie was pretty slow, and I was like, oh boy, until the final part when we get to the train scene. I did enjoy like the train fight scene when we finally get to see the mutants fighting the aliens. All the fights are very cool. I even like the one in front of whatever that building was in New York, mm-hmm. even though the, the X-Men are like fully incompetent with their own powers. Oh, yeah. They, they have this whole scene where uh, Professor X is talking to Magneto about we can't have a big fight here or we're going to undo all the goodwill that we've gotten. And then seconds later, Cyclops is like, I'm going to shoot my I-beams through that double-decker bus. Yeah. Full <laughs> of civilians. Also, like, I understand Beast is angry. He also turns on his his friends and team very easily. Yeah. <laughs> And then they, they turn back around. They're like, we're Team Gene on the train after, like, one speech by Cyclops. And it's like, really? That's all it took from you? What, He's convinced. WWRD, what would Raven do? <laughs> oh, this, yeah. There were no no stakes for any of these characters. None of them had motivations that really made any sense. And the rules were just all over the map. Right. The the only cool the only parts I I really liked were callbacks to some of the comic stuff, like their their original suits, which did not look great, were a call, were a callback to one of the comics. I couldn't remember which one, but I was like, okay, it's cool that they're doing that suit at the end when they name it the Jean Grey School for Mutants or whatever is a nice callback because I cannot remember one of the comics, but I feel like it's after an event called Schism where Wolverine takes over the school as headmaster. I think he renames it to the Jean Grey school, but I, I might be wrong. Um, there's one other... Oh, Nightcrawler getting the knives and teleporting around. That's kind of similar to 
like one iteration of him where he carries like two. Um, God, what are pirate swords called? Uh, cutlasses. Yeah, like he has two cutlasses and kind of like fights like a pirate. And I was like, okay, those are cool. But for the most part, like the final scene of this is just like Gene killing an entire alien race. <laughs> well, the train scene, I was I was real confused because they shoot these guys. These shape shifting aliens are essentially like immortal. They shoot these things with machine guns, and they just kind of it's like the it's it's like the Terminator from T two, and it they just kind of the bullets like go through them, and they like reform right and you're like okay so these aliens are really strong (laughs) yeah but then the mutants get out and it's like it seems at first like they're just stabbing them or like snapping their necks and killing them right but then i think they do all eventually like reanimate yeah and then it's finally like magneto crunches them and decouples the car from the train and i was like that's what they should have been doing at first like this dude could literally just crush the car. Like, no one's in there. Why isn't he doing that? That scene was awesome. Yeah. Like, when they make Magneto actually use his powers, he's so cool. <laughs> That's why I liked him in the originals, because anytime Wolverine would come up against him, he would be like, no, no. <laughs> right, like, I am your natural enemy. Like, X2, when Mystique filled, uh, like, put extra iron in the guard's blood, was, like, an awesome scene. He's like, this is what how much damage I can do with like a ball of iron. So cool. Yeah. And so and you were right, man. Like I I am surprised they went with Jean Grey just disintegrating people as the final thing. Like a Thanos the Thanos snap. Yeah, they, yeah, it was ridiculous. I mean I guess it was really the only way to do it, since they've already established that these things can't really be killed through conventional means, other than like trying to melt them or something disintegrating them is really the only way to go i couldn't believe that entire race was like i just saw her kill 80 of these guys i'm still gonna rush her we're not gonna (laughs) rethink this plan at all nope and then like she can willingly give the phoenix force to people it turns out (laughs) yeah i guess kind of i I don't know jessica chastain took like half of it because it certainly seemed like at the end there if Jessica Chastain would have taken all of it. She would have died. Right. And that's why they go into space to like release it all. But yeah, I don't know. It made no sense to me that like the plan of Jessica Chastain was I'm going to absorb the Phoenix force after earlier in the movie. She's like, I've never seen anyone hold the Phoenix force. And it's like, (laughs) wait a minute. So you're going to take all of it. Like it will kill you by your own admission. Yeah. It's like an infinity stone. Right. It'll kill him touches it yeah i wanted to talk about magneto goes in to kill her and doesn't try to surprise her at all just walks right in the front door and is like hey i'm here to kill you after we had already seen minutes earlier that she was much stronger than he was right i did not get that at all it's like at the very least you're equal and if he only thought gene was telepathic like charles him wearing the helmet makes sense because it protects telepathy but he knows that she also has like uh she's able to move objects with her mind and stuff so you're right like he should have tried to surprise her yeah the elements of of surprise was literally all they had going for them also can he fly or does he have like steel toe boots (laughs) 
My guess is he has metal under his shoes or something because you saw in uh, X2 when he like he made that metal plate and was able to float on it. Yeah. So that that is my guess is he has some form of metal in his body that allows him to levitate. That's wild. That's wild. The one guy's mutant ability was just he could like control his own hair. Yeah, I was. I first saw that and I was like, oh, is this one of, uh, I think it was like Sinister's guys. And I was like, oh no, this is just a mutant who has like hair whips. <laughs> I feel like I just saw that in something else too. And I can't remember what. So X, X-Men have like been creating their universe since the year 2000. So they've been going at it for really twice as almost twice as long as Avengers have right now. And I think they made a huge mistake of going for a soft reboot with uh, First Class instead of just making it its own separate timeline. Mm-hmm. Like, they did not plan out any of this. There were al- already, like, continuity errors and retcons and everything. And then they tried to do it even more. So everything just feels so disjointed when you look at it at the whole. Yeah, if you were to tell me that this was like an alternate timeline now where like the it's not supposed to line up with the original series anymore, that's fine. Like that's like a Star Trek move. But it's like they're so determined to give all these bad guys redemption arcs that it literally can't line up with the first X-Men anymore. Yeah. I mean, it's so weird why they did it this way to me because I think they wanted to keep Hugh Jackman. I, honestly, I think maybe that's the only reason they did it this way is because they wanted to keep Hugh Jackman as Wolverine in like the later installments, but it, it makes no sense to me, man. Like it should have just been rebooted. It's like, Oh yeah, he's still just Wolverine in this one. <laughs> yeah. Like first class ended and Magneto and Mystique were both bad guys. And I was like, cool, this is how it happened. Like, it it starts with them both being heroes, and then as the movie progresses, they both turn. And that would have been fine. They could have ended it right there, and it would have lined up perfectly. And then they keep trying to give Magneto redemption arcs, and they gave Mystique redemption arcs so strong that at the end of Apocalypse, she was just an X-Man. Right. And now they just straight up killed her. So like, it is now impossible to connect these two timelines. Yeah. I mean, at this point, I feel like the X-Men franchise is dead in films. It's going to be carried on with Deadpool. You don't have well, you don't have Hugh Jackman anymore playing Wolverine. Like, I feel like he went out on a high note, which was great. But I would be surprised now that Disney owns the X-Men if they are going to incorporate them into like their own series or, or how they incorporate them, I guess, into their already the MCU already because and this is uh, like they they've been meticulous with the MCU like there's not a ton of continuity errors it's not a mess like the X-Men is so bringing in the X-Men i think is actually part of the reason i have a hard time reading marvel comics right now is you are going to get an oversaturation of superpowers because the X-Men work best in a world where there are not other superheroes so that the yeah. prejudice they feel seems real where it's like, Oh no, there are these people with superheroes coming about and we have a team of these mutants doing that. When you bring that into like 
the Marvel universe and comics right now, people are like, oh, like the We Hate Mutant stories doesn't make a ton of sense because everyone has superpowers in those comics. There are so <laughs> many people flying around. So it's like, what's the difference of being like, oh, I love Thor, but I hate, you know, Jean Grey or whatever. It's like they're both superpowers. It doesn't matter, like, the context. So... Like the mutants are not as extraordinary when you when half of existence was snapped out by Thanos, you know. <laughs> yeah, they they definitely feel much smaller than like the the cosmic stories of the MCU, right? And and that's in the comics too. Is it's just like there's too many superheroes right now. Like everyone is in New York. It makes no sense why anyone would commit crimes in New York at this time. <laughs> Like, I, I don't know that's it's like why I like the older comics to a certain extent because like they were in the same universe but they didn't have crossover events and stuff and it's just like it felt like they were sort of sequestered and like okay maybe the superheroes don't really exist or like Iron Man's off doing his own thing where we're not running into him every five minutes or something like that where like there's just I mean I even Marvel ran into that they did um like Scarlet Witch took out most of the mutant population. Like it went down to like two or 300 or something. Oh, wow. And just like, and then they introduced the Inhumans, which are also basically mutants, but caused by Terrigen mist from like an alien <laughs> bomb. Like it's just, there's too much going on. And if they bring in, in the comics right now that, that I don't think they've done a great job of just being like, yeah, we can share the world instead of just having a city. And I worry that the movies are just going to become like they already have a ton of characters. Like, oh yeah, the X Men team doubles that roster. <laughs> well, that's I would love to see a movie that was like Doctor Strange lost in Oklahoma. Yeah, right. Like, oh my gosh, I but I think I think I had read somewhere that they had that the Inhumans got created because Fox bought the X-Men and Marvel couldn't like create new X-Men content anymore. So, and so they just made new X-Men and named them something else. Right. So I don't know if, so I've heard that too, where it was basically like, well, we lost the content and then they started like phasing out the X-Men in the comics. Even they had the Inhumans versus the X-Men where they're only really keeping the most popular. I think the X-Men won, but I didn't read that, that crossover. Um, but yeah, basically they're like, we need new, mutants but we can't use it so we're going to change it up a little bit like miss marvel is technically an inhuman um and she's very popular right now uh sorry uh camilla khan's miss marvel and like they they were getting really popular so but now that they have them the x-men back i don't know how much of that is going to be kept with the mcu you know well, I mean, not popular enough to sustain the franchise, I guess, because the Inhumans became part of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in, like, Season 2, and they've kind of been, like, in and out of that franchise a little bit. Yeah. But <laughs> they had their own TV show, and it didn't even last a whole season. I was going to say, got canceled. I heard that show was horrible. That's what I'd heard as well. I think, like, Marvel has the movies on lockdown. They have a formula that works... I think their TV uh, is a little a little more on shaky grounds because you start getting too many stories in there and you start introducing like so many different characters and it's like it's a fatigue of trying to keep up with the MCU. Like I'm never going to watch Agents of Shield. I want to see Daredevil, but now it's like oh, there's Daredevil, there's Punisher, there's Luke Cage, there's um, Jessica Jones, there's. Uh, 
Iron Fist. Like, it, that's just so much more to watch than a movie. Yeah. I want to be honest, Daredevil Season 1 is incredible. That's that's what I've heard, and I've been meaning to watch it. The rest of it, I could kind of take and leave. Like, Iron Fist, I thought, was awful. Defenders, I thought, was mostly pretty bad. And like it left such a bad taste in my mouth. I never even watched Daredevil season three, even as much as I love that character. But now they're coming out, and and God knows if this is going to be the case anymore. Now that the pandemic has screwed up media production so severely, but they had come out and said that their Disney Plus original TV shows, you are going to have to watch them to understand future movies. I think it's a horrible idea, personally. That's just yeah, that's a mess. Why would you do that to your fan base? I mean, it's trying to force you into buying Disney Plus at that point. And that, that's the thing. It's like watching a TV show series like Daredevil is probably like what an eight hour commitment versus me watching at most a three hour movie in like the Infinity War saga. Mm-hmm. And that's why I liked that the Netflix shows relate to each other, but they don't relate to like the movie universe at all. Right. I feel like they need to they should have kept them separated. <laughs> Yeah, the the most that the most that they relate is right at the beginning of Daredevil. They're looking for an apartment, and the real estate agent says like, "Oh, this is in a much cheaper neighborhood ever since the incident." And somebody says like, "Oh, is that what we're calling aliens coming down from the sky and blowing up New York City?" And that's literally the only indication that those universes are shared at all. Right, and I feel like that's the way you got to do it. I I mean, I'd even be fine if they want to go out and they're like, "No, these are completely separate. Like they don't relate." That's fine. You can tell stories like that. I don't think everything needs to be interconnected to still enjoy those characters. It just becomes unwieldy. Like it becomes so difficult to manage when you're telling like one story with 400 offshoots in all these different properties. Well, that's why star Wars, when Disney bought it, basically we're like, we're creating the legends universe because previously like all the extended universe in um, star Wars was, you could do basically whatever you wanted. You just couldn't contradict something someone else had already done. So there, there were all these books out there giving mm-hmm. weird backstories. And I can just imagine Disney coming in and be like, I, why does this random droid in the tattooing <laughs> bar have a story about him? Like, no, we're not doing that. Like we, we need, we need room here. And I, I don't know. I, because like Marvel had been splintered, to the different studios for the movies and then you know you have different video game licenses and all that stuff like the stories are already out there i think people have come to accept that comic book movies don't necessarily need to all be in the same universe it's cool if they are like if they're all in the same movie universe but i don't think most people expect you to incorporate like television to be the same yeah that's it's a bridge too far before we we get off this completely uh we brought up disney plus real quick i just want to gauge your reaction what do you think about having to pay 30 dollars for mulan oh my gosh i think that's ridiculous because that's 30 dollars on top of you already paying for disney plus at that point yep. just release it <laughs> to rent to anyone you know you're paying basically 30 what 36 dollars 38 dollars to rent it yeah well it's it's supposedly now they're saying it's to buy like you'll have it forever, but Who cares. Yeah, thirty bucks for for a yeah a movie that you could reasonably have probably purchased on Blu-ray for like twenty. The premise of streaming is like those services are like I pay one fee and it's basically like TV. 
Now you're introducing like, oh, premium content. Like, nah, man. I, and Mulan doesn't even look that good. It looks like they killed the animated movie. Mm-hmm. So I don't care I, about that movie at all. I, I saw it described as my streaming service now comes with a DLC. Yeah, I mean, that's true. Like a very expensive DLC. That's four months of your streaming services cost. <laughs> so, Christian, do you know how this fared at the box office? Sure do. This had a budget of two hundred million. Uh, it had a box office of two hundred fifty million, so it did make its money back. But I got to imagine that's all like kind of first first weekend stuff. And as word of mouth spread, I can't imagine that this kept that that kind of a box office for very long. Right. So I'm I'm a little bit unsure on the box office because I did look up some articles, and basically this is the worst X Men movie like box office that had ever came out. And most people, most articles I are reading said that they actually lost $100 million on it. So I don't know if they eventually, after international markets made that back, or they just had an insanely high um, marketing budget or what. But it, it, it at most, it seems like maybe they broke even. Yeah, this this can't have been a winner for, for anyone. No, and... So, like, for example, like, the critics on Rotten Tomato have this at 22%, and the audience put it at 64%. Uh, where where do you lay on that? Do you agree more with the critics or the audience? I don't know that I'd put it as low as a 22. I'd probably put it in, like, the 40s. Because, like, like we had said, some of the scenes in this are very fun. But it, as a whole, as a movie, it doesn't really make any sense. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't think it's like 22% bad, but I definitely don't think it's like 64% good. I'd, I'd probably put it in like the 30s or 40s as well. I think this is probably my least favorite of the X-Men movies. Yeah, it's either this or Apocalypse, and I, I just don't remember Apocalypse enough. Actually, you're right. Apocalypse is my least. This is my second. I remember walking out of Apocalypse being like kind of angry that I watched it. So... <laughs> Like, they made such a big deal about Olivia Munn being in Apocalypse, and it's like her character sucked. <laughs> they destroyed <laughs> Psylocke. Yeah, I forgot she was even in that. All right, Christian, this week you watched the second season of Umbrella Academy. Now, I remember we talked about the first season last year, and you were... You had like a mixed, I, I, if I remember, you had like a mixed response to it. Uh, is this any better? It is a lot better. I wasn't originally even planning on watching this because I really didn't care for the first season that much. But it got, you know, advertised to me enough that every time I jumped on Netflix, it was the first thing like, hey, this came out, you should watch it. So I did. And I, I was disappointed to report that it was pretty good. <laughs> Uh, so Umbrella Academy is basically they're superheroes, right? Yeah, the the gist from season one was that like all over the world, there were a bunch of women that all of a sudden were pregnant and giving birth like immediately. Mm-hmm. And all of the kids were born at the same time and they all had powers. And this eccentric billionaire bought seven of them to try and train them to be like basically the X-Men. Very X-Men style week for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so what is so the premise? I, I guess how did how did last season end, and then how does uh, how did because I I don't remember what you talked about about it last season, and then how does that roll into this season? Yeah, last season ends with them failing to prevent the apocalypse, so the world ends in 2019. Okay, and uh, the last shot is 
like the moon crashing into the earth and the one kid has like teleportation and time travel powers. So he takes all of his siblings and jumps them back in time. And you know, you don't see where they end up or anything. And that's the last shot is them disappearing. And then where, so how does it pick up on season two then? Season two then basically opens with that shot and they all land in Dallas, Texas in various times in the early sixties. So So they got separated in, in, in travel. Yeah. Basically they each like pop out of the vortex like a year apart. Okay. And so it starts, I think in 1960 and it goes up to 1963, like a week before the JFK assassination. Are they trying? Are they going to? Are they trying to stop the JFK assassination? Is that the storyline, or is that just happenstance? One of them sure is. Okay, it's definitely a part of the story. Like season one or season two is basically just season one again. Like the the time travel kid pops up, uh, like reunites the team and tells them they have ten days to stop the end of the world because it like followed them back in time. Oh, okay. So. It's the exact same plot. You've got 10 days to stop the end of the world, but we don't know what causes it. And so, I mean, of course it ends up just being them. Like (laughs) you can't drop seven superheroes back into the sixties and expect everything to be fine. Right. There is a very cool scene where he sees 10 days into the future and all of them are like mega super powered. Like they all have powers that are, it's like if they perfected their own abilities and so I was thinking, oh, cool, this is going to be like they all spend their years apart training and getting better, and now they're going to be even more powerful. But, I mean, he reunites the team 10 days before that's supposed to happen, and they all have the exact same power level that they had before. One of the characters hasn't used her power in, like, two years. Oh, my gosh. So if I remember, is this the one that had a monkey butler or something? Yeah, Poco. Is he, is he still around? Uh, he gets killed in, in the first season, Ugh. but uh, there one of the one of the many plot lines in this year is they're trying to find their dad who's young now, and so Poco's like a baby baby chimpanzee who's like running around in a spacesuit. Gotcha. Uh, so shows like this often, um, you enjoying it, I think, relates to how good the cast is. Do you like these characters any more or any less than season one? I like most of them a lot more. Most of them were kind of terrible in season one. Like it's supposed they're supposed to be a dysfunctional family, so they're all kind of awful to each other. But I guess after the events of season one, they're all kind of close now because they're like they're all looking for each other actively. Uh, Diego, who I mostly hated in season one, is pretty amazing this time around. He was one of my favorite characters. It was also cool seeing like what they got into while they were gone. Like Allison got involved in like the civil rights movement in Dallas in the sixties. Klaus started a cult, which he hates. It's just yeah, the whole show is very wacky, like from from the jump. Hmm. Uh, does this also does the season also end on a cliffhanger? Mm, yeah, kind of, but not one quite as like insane as the last one. They yeah, I, I don't want to. Don't want to spoil it. I get so you don't you don't want to say that they actually fail and then they time jump fifty years again into the past and they're now in the nineteen tens Dallas. <laughs> no, that that is not what goes down. Okay, I was kind of hoping but they yeah. would just keep doing that every season. So eventually, it's like 
Look, look, guys, America doesn't even exist at this point. <laughs> yeah, the the uh, yeah, the, it does end on a cliffhanger for sure. But it's it's a more like personally dramatic cliffhanger than like an apocalypse cliffhanger. Do you think you end up watching season three now? Yeah, probably. <laughs> I'm sure they're gonna make it. Like I'm, I think this is number one on Netflix this week. So. I'm not surprised that season one had a pretty big following. I was, I think one of the minority of people that didn't really care for it. It was just not, a, not as good as I had hoped it would be, but this one seems to have uh, lived up to the promise of season one. Uh, Christian, would you recommend our audience check? I guess if you haven't seen, if you, number one, if you've seen season one, would you recommend season two? And then if you've not watched either would you recommend they check out the entirety of the series so far? If you liked season one, you, you'll certainly like this one. So yes, even if you were on the fence like I was, you'll probably like this one. So yes, I I just don't know if I can recommend this to like like people off the street. It's season one's rough. I, I guess give it a try. If you're not hooked by like one or two episodes, don't continue. Uh, so Christian, before we head out, I just wanted to say I watched Doctor Sleep last night uh, on your recommendation, and I also watched X Men. It was a very long four and a half hours about psychic powers, and Doctor Sleep was awesome. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. I watched that and am now ready to reread the Dark Tower series, and kind of am thinking about picking up some of the external books that feed into it but i don't know how much energy i have to read books that aren't the doctor Tower in stephen king's universe but i am i'm at least motivated to try right now and dude doctor sleep like i haven't watched the shining i didn't read the shining i, I read like 30 pages of the shining and then quit i guess i should say but like it was so good i love the the bat like the villains in it were also as scared of the heroes as the heroes were of the villains. Mm-hmm. Like that was an underrated, I don't even want to say cat. I guess it's, it is a cat and mouse game where they are both cats and mice at different points. Yeah. Yeah. When like, when they were on their way to, to try and find Rose and like you and McGregor was kind of possessing the girl in the back of that van. Oh uh, yeah. I had a great time with this movie. Yeah. Or like they set up the, the, like trap for him and everything like it was so well done and i was watching it with my wife and i kept being like anytime we pointed out a plot hole they like filled it immediately so it was like i now have the habit because i take notes when i watch movies for the podcast i'm like oh, this doesn't make sense there wasn't one thing in there that i was like like they covered any plot point like hole that i could find and i was like oh my gosh this movie is so good i like it if i had watched it in 2019 it would have been up there it's like my, in my top five Mm-hmm. I was very impressed with it. And I'm also angry that they did so good with this and the Dark Tower we got <laughs> was that because it shows like Stephen King's adventure style storytelling could work and the Dark Tower is such a weird movie that like they should have did a series or something with that man. Like they they ruined it because it would have worked so well. 
They compressed seven and a half big books into a 90-minute movie that did not really resemble the books in any capacity. It made no sense. And, like, oh, my God, Dr. Sleep, like, had such good shots and, like, everything was kind of slow. You sort of understood where the villains came from because they needed to eat Fear to Live, but then, like, you see the brutality when they murder that kid. Like, it was so well done. Yeah. The callbacks to like the the hotel and the shining, which I didn't even see, but it like it seemed very cool. I'm sure if I had watched the shining, I'd be like, oh, this is somewhat nostalgic, like to see all these things come back. <laughs> well, it was uh, it was done by Mike Flanagan, and man, I I really can't say enough about him. He's a a pro for like horror and fantasy. He did Haunting of Hill House, and and he's done a, another Stephen King. So that's probably what I'm going to be doing this weekend coming up is we're planning on doing like a Mike Flanagan movie marathon. We, we want to try and find Oculus and Absentia, which are some of his first movies. Uh, he did a different Stephen King called Gerald's Game, which is on Netflix right now. So we'll probably be watching that at some point this weekend. Very cool. Um, anything else that you're planning on like watching or playing? Uh, not off the top of my head. I've been just kind of bopping around with Horizon again, just for you know stress relief yeah <laughs> up on and kill some uh robots here and there and uh i finally turned my switch back on and i've been bopping around in animal crossing again a little bit so nice. other than that um yeah been fairly busy i uh i'm like i basically picked up games that i can play for like 10 to 20 minutes at a time the yeah. past week so i've like picked overwatch back up which i love that game and I'm, it's like so addicting um, and then I'm slowly working my way through new Super Mario Bros. U Deluxe, which is the Wii U version of Super Mario Brothers, but on the Switch. And I'm going to like 100% it with getting all the coins and stuff. So I'm like four and a half worlds done with it at this point. But I play it for like maybe 20 or 30 minutes at a time, just beat a couple levels, move on. That's nice for something like that. Yeah. Movie wise, I don't know. Like nothing really on my list. It's. It's unfortunate because there's like not a theater anymore, so you can't look and be like, okay, like maybe I'll go watch this. It's just like, what's on Netflix? And when I was searching for, I don't even remember what I was searching for on Netflix, but I typed in like Q U E K. I don't even remember what I was looking for, but I remember being like Q U E was my search results, and there were just hundreds of things, and I was like, how do they have this much content? Like it's mind-boggling how many Netflix originals they have that I just never heard of. Oh, yeah, for sure. It was insane. So maybe I'll pick something up at random. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks for checking out our episode. If you'd like to contact us, we are at Gambots Network on Twitter or we're gambots.blog at gmail.com. Otherwise, if you're listening somewhere where you can rate and subscribe, we'd appreciate it as that does help us with marketing. And finally, we do have a website now that's gambotsnetwork.com where we have up some uh, 200 word reviews for either things we've talked about on the show or things we never got around to. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Thank you.